0: This is the impactful wisdom podcast, helpful strategies for a successful dental career brought to you by the campus team of Heartland Dental. Now, here are your hosts, Kathy Tellis, Vincent Battles, and Amanda Rockland.
1: Welcome back to the Impactful Wisdom Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Amanda, joined by Kathy and Vincent. Kathy, how was
2: your week this week? It's been great. Very, very busy. I'm pretty sure all of the people listening right now, we've been online all week long. So I, I get it for those dental students and hygienists that's on um, Zoom or any type of platform. Wow. Being online is kind of tiring, but you know what? I feel pretty good. What about you, Vincent?
0: Oh, my goodness. Think about this week. My goodness, we had, not to get political up in here, but we had the presidential debates, and that's been the biggest talk around town, around the world. So that's what's on t- on top of my mind. And as, as we're now recording, my goodness, um, we've got some other things going on in the world. So I think just... The world, COVID, C-19, classes, work. A lot of, uh, I think, is working wearing down on us just in society. But otherwise, I'm good.
1: I'll tell you a little bit about my week. It's been, again, I'm going to go. I think I'm hitting that point where I'm getting a little bit of that Zoom fatigue. It's been crazy. um, But... Uh, you know, so I really get where our students are coming from um, in terms of that. And just kind of, a you know, being able to pivot really quickly um, and adjusting. I think, you know, we've all had to do that. So I think uh, not just, you know, personally, but like also in the workplace, right? We've just gone through so many changes this year. Um, so I think for me, like my biggest takeaway, not just from this week, but like this year has been like being able to like pivot, right? And just, kind of move forward and go with the flow, um, which for me sometimes can be really hard. Um, but, and I'm the first to admit that. So, but also trying to also find some time to do like some fun outdoor things before it gets way too cold in the Northeast. So, um, but getting back to it, we have a really great episode this week. Uh, we have our interview with Pat Bauer. It was amazing. It was so much fun talking to him. Um, it's gonna be a great episode. What do you? Th- what did you guys think about speaking with him?
2: You know what? It what was so cool that you just said this. You were all kind of Zoom fatigued, um, and with everything that's happening in life right now it's really about balance. And that's one of the things that Pat talked about in today's episode, um, really balancing ourselves. And that's like one of Heartland Dental's core values. And I love that because with us, uh, you know, jumping into this fall season, we have been just going, um, you know, just going nuts, busy, busy, busy. It's we're on one Zoom to another meeting to another meeting, and just taking the time to balance out, you know, life, you know, with family and and everything. So, I thought that was a powerful message that Pat uh, shared with us today on today's podcast. What about you, Vincent? What do you think?
0: Yes, Pat did a great job. He's very personable, similar to Doctor Workman. Uh, that you know, he's been with Heartland Dental. For many years, and he talked about the, the I won't say the struggle, but just the growing pains of starting a, a DSO and what a DSO is and how he started as a recruiter. It's <laughs> just like me. Uh, maybe <laughs> one day, maybe one day I, I can also be the CEO of the DSO. Yeah, right. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he did a good job. Seriously, talking about the business element of a DSO, talking about our employees. He also mentioned core values, so he's going to really talk more about the core values and how Heartland Dental embraces that and really goes step by step. I think the, I think that's very important.
1: Completely agree. It was uh, he really did go into those in depth details about you know the core values that we have, and honestly, you know, it really does guide us. So um, it's not just something that we say. So I really like that.
2: And then for those listeners that for those listeners who don't really know what a dental support organization is, he really breaks that down uh, very well. And just with our value system. And I thought that is really powerful because a lot of people, sometimes they have this negative connotation about a dental support organization. And um, when they hear from, you know, from our CEO, what our culture is like it's it's pretty powerful i love that
0: so i want to hear from our ceo and president pat bauer let's get to it let's go come on (laughs)
2: welcome to the podcast we're so glad you were able to join us for those of you listening who don't know pat was recognized by Glassdoor in 2019 as one of the top ceos in north america to say we're lucky to have him is an understatement pat is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience to help us to get to know you a little bit better
3: well i'm uh I've been in dental for a long time, so I've been doing this for 32 years. I was 10, almost 10 years in Minneapolis with a small group at the time. I started when there was four offices, and I have pretty much done every job in a dental office that you can imagine. <laughs> and then um, I met Dr. Workman in 1995, and in 1997, he asked me if I, uh, he was looking for somebody like me, and I said, why not? why not me? And so I moved to FAM in 1997, and we had eight offices at the time. Um, in July of '97, and now we have we support about a thousand. I think we're up to thousand seventy offices as of as of this recording, and uh, it's it's really a, a testament not only to his vision, um, but also to our culture and our values that we've been able to grow with great people like not only like you but also the doctors that uh, that we support. So we're pretty lucky. Okay,
0: Pat. So you're the CEO. You're the CEO of the largest dental support organization in the country. With that being said, you started in 1997. Tell us about that journey,
3: the highs or the lows, you know, tell us about that. What has it been like for you? Well, in 1997, first of all, there was, nobody called us DSOs. <laughs> they called us, wh- who are you? And what are what are you doing? And, and honestly, when I, 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 when I would hire people, because I, okay, so when I started in 1997, I was the marketing person, I was the recruiter. <laughs> so I was hiring doctors, but, but we weren't as sophisticated. I did what they called the mirror test. So I would put the mirror underneath somebody's nose and if it fogged up, I would hire them. Because most people didn't know who we were. What do you mean? You're a group practice and you're growing. And and so even the, school, I mean, the schools didn't know who we were. And uh, Dr. Workman, I mean, in Southern Illinois, I mean, they didn't even want him to be around. And so because, you know, he was... He, he did things that were unusual for the industry, the right thing, I believe, in the long run. And I think most people would say that, but it was just different when you're different. We have the same that people dogs bark at things they don't understand. And people were just not understanding what he was trying to go, which was he was trying to accomplish is for young doctors. When he started, he didn't he he didn't shouldn't didn't think it should be this hard. And 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 he had to just beat his head up against the wall and try to figure it out all on his own. And his he tells the stories about his friend Paranoid Bob, who was who is another dentist in another community, and they would talk to each other every night about all the things that they had to work on. And uh, he just knew it had to be easier. It had to be we had to find ways to be able to help doctors be more successful without as much pain and agony that they had to go through to recreate the wheel almost every time. That they started a practice or or came out of uh, dental school, and that's really what his vision was: to try to figure out a way to make it easier to become world class at helping doctors um, be successful. And and today our, our mission statement is very clear: all we do is support doctors and their teams and the communities they serve. And so when you have that foundation, we do a lot better. But along the way, <laughs> oh, I mean, we went we went from eight practices in January in. in did basically in July of 97 to 32 in January of 98. And we just threw practices together. Then we started building some, and that 1998, we still didn't make money. So we were not making any money. He, he thought, oh my God, I'm gonna wait. He had like $10 million invested. And back then that was a lot of money. And we we, we almost didn't, weren't making any money. But we were doing all the right things. We were still, you know, we have communication training today, which is world class training on how to talk to a patient, how to how to get them to arrive at a decision that's their their best interest. Well, we were doing all of that training, but we and we so we were doing the right thing, but we just hadn't made profit in in probably in December of '98. I told my wife I might be fired. I mean, this could be it. (laughs) <laughs> I said, just so you're prepared. Now, we moved our family from Minneapolis to Effingham, Illinois. And I don't know if people know where Effingham, Illinois is, but Effingham, Illinois is in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I had two little kids. And uh, But in January of 1999, we made money, um, and we never really looked back. We took on private equity, probably one of the first ones, really um, venture capital money at the very first time. That was our first experience. We got rid of them in 18 months. But we started. we really started saying, okay, we can't just do de novos and we can't just do affiliations. We had to do both. And because de novos, sometimes we did too many. We couldn't recruit fast enough because I was a recruiter. So I wasn't as good as you guys. <laughs> and, then, and then we had affiliations, which is difficult because you have problems with integrating people. and And so we really just kept on getting better and better. But what we didn't ever stop doing was training doctors from really great clinical dentists, on how to be the best ends they can be, sharing information all the way all along the way, and that's been a foundation for us. Is that education and training for uh, the doctors that we would bring in, both right out of school and existing uh, experienced, who who knew the opportunity to help the younger doctors be as good as they could be, and that that has kept going um, throughout the years. But you know, there's there's what we call there's the ceiling that you hit as you grow and every DSO or every group practice does it. They, they get to a certain point, And it's almost like going through the sound barrier. I don't know if you've ever heard of somebody going through the sound barrier. You start shaking when you go through the sound barrier and then you smooth out. Well, you, you get to a place on growing a practice where you hit that ceiling you start to shake and you get more problems until you can break through it. And then it gets smoother again. And then eventually you hit that, you know, I don't know if it was 100 practices, then it was 250 practices. And then so you just have these growth um, pains, if you will, that you that everybody has to go through. And uh, but Dr. Workman was, you know, steadfast. He knew we were doing the right thing. And our culture was to grow. And that's and, and that's something that the reason we he, he did, we did an uh, ESOP in 04, 06. In a, in a private equity firm in 08, 0, 09, somewhere in that range. And the reason he did that is because he didn't want his family and their long-term health to get in the way of our growth. Because he knew if he stopped the growth of our company, it would change the culture of our company. And those people that went along the journey did very, very well if they if they hung with us. The beautiful thing about you know the whole dental industry is you can do it all things on your own. And you can be fine. You can do quite well on your own. You don't do as well as if we were with Heartland, we think your life is better, obviously, um, or we wouldn't be doing this. But but we really truly believe your life is better if you take that journey with us. You'll have a better lifestyle, you have a better family life. And we did a we did an affiliation webinar the other day and Joe Stuckey, who's from Colorado. I'm trying to think of the town, the name of the town. But Joe joined us and he got cancer a year later. His son almost died that same year. Um, and then COVID hit. Now, those three things would have shut his business down, but he joined us. And what he said was before he joined us, he worked with his wife, solo practitioner, which is nothing wrong with it, great lifestyle. But every day, every weekend, was about the business. What do we do next? How do we do the marketing? What do we do about the rain or the, you know, the, the roof not doing right? Why do we do the IT? How do we all those things that other dentists would then comment even after the webinar saying, that's what I wasn't thinking about is what, what will change for me if I join Heartland? Well, you don't know if you've never been in a, a solo practitioner um but you do know if you were that all those things are like on your back and all of a sudden they're just gone you're still concerned about your team you're still concerned about things but the bottom line is you don't have those things that are just nagging at you every day that you're out on your own where with us you have a lifestyle you're still going to be the best dentist and from a financial perspective honestly there's no comparison if you join harlan and that's the that's the thing but anyway there's i'm I went off a lot on one question, but there you go.
1: (laughs) That's totally fine. Um, I actually have a question. So we know that you met Dr. Workman in 1995. I really want to know, how did you meet Dr. Workman? And thinking back on that moment, did you think it was going to be such a life-changing event for you?
3: No. I didn't. (laughs) But you know what? It was 1995. I was the – I was the co-president of a group practice association, which was like-minded people who had, this particular group was a, like-minded in how they led their practices. In other words, how they how they looked at leadership and how to manage a, a business. And so we were very aligned on that. But it was in Minneapolis uh, in 1995 at the Mall of America, which was a bigger deal back then. And, uh, and I remember there was a guy in the back of the room asking all these very complicated questions and we had we tried to make the event as as controversial as possible so we have the we had the ceo of delta dental who was not a dentist and kicked off dentists from his uh because dentists started delta dental across the across the united states and it was for dentists by dentists and this was the first guy came from uh, out east blue cross blue shield he was the only Guy I ever had dinner with that ate his salad with his hands. I kid you not. <laughs> he, he, he literally ate his salad with his hands. I couldn't eat. I was just in such awe that he was actually eating his salad with his hands. And uh, But he was a very controversial figure and really pushed, you know, how dentists didn't know what they were doing. And, and so it was we wanted him to come and talk about what he saw as the future and how dentists were going to be less involved in Delta Dental, and today they are less involved in Delta Dental. Um, but we had other people that talked about HMOs and the difference between how that worked and what what the medicine, how medicine, now this is back in 1995, if you remember, there was going to be um, an integration of dental and healthcare. Okay, well, it's now 2020, and we still don't have, integration of health. In fact, we still don't even have um, diagnostic codes in dental. I think they've created them, but there are still no diagnostic codes. And we were talking about it in 1995. And so it's a very, the, things don't change as much as people think they're going to change. Now, whether that's the ADA being, you know, pushing forward, not making any, uh, you know, rules for dentists to have to have to follow um, uh, and people have to be careful what they ask for. So, so that's how I met him. He was, he was one of those guys. And then I stayed in contact. He had Julie Thomas, who's still with us. Um, she's fantastic. She's part-time now, but she's a major person. She wrote most of our systems. In fact, you know, it, her daughter still works with us and, um, her son is a dentist with us. And, uh, so it's fantastic. Uh, went to Arizona, which school was I can't remember what school it was, but one of them ones in Arizona, AT still. That's right. AT stills. And then um, Donna Weir was the business assistant. She's retired, but she was here for many years, but she retired very well. And then Debbie Steffi is still with us, who was a dental assistant. That was his main team. And she's still with us and she still builds our, you know, designs our dental offices and has been with us for, I don't know, got to be 35 plus years now. (laughs) That's a long time. And so those three I stayed in contact with, and we started what we call the School uh, of Administrators. How how to be an administrator for a dental group, because dental groups were not very big at the time. And so what's the best way to administer a a dental group and, and give them the best leadership and work with dentists? And so when they were going through a process in 1997, those three said to Dr. Workman, we need somebody like Pat because you're too busy doing this stuff and we need support in how to best run the practices. And so that's when he called. Me. So that's, and I was literally, I mean, you know, there's these, you know, people say these God moments. Well, I mean, not, not to be religious or anything, but there are these things that happen. And I think there's for there for a reason. I don't think it's a coincidence. And, uh, and that's, that's how we, we met. So he, so he already knew me, kind of knew of me and he, and then he, and then those three loved me and, So that, that helped, (laughs) but that's how, that's literally that not very many people ask me that story. So probably too much for you guys, but.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love that story. I love that story of the school of administrators. Yeah. Right. It's great. And would you just kind of share in your own words, Pat, what does it mean to be supported by Heartland Dental and what would you find in Heartland Dental supported offices that you wouldn't find in any other DSO?
3: Well, that's a that's a mouthful, and I can't speak for other DSOs, and I've never worked for other one other than Metro, so I worked with Metro, that, and I can tell you the big difference is we're truly doctor-led, which means if you're a hygienist, you're going to get direction from the doctor based on science, for the most part, uh, not their feelings. We're, we're going to teach what the standard guidelines are, so what are the American Academy of Periodontology's you know, guidelines, not just... Hey, I don't feel like we should do this today. So it's going we're gonna, to, we're going to, we're we're so doctor-led, we're going to have everybody talk about their um, beliefs on dentistry. So in other words, what's their practice philosophy? So I can't, and Hartland can't tell any dentist what to do clinically. So there's this joke that Dr. Workman says that people think he looks at every treatment plan and tells every dentist what to do. Well, first of all, I couldn't physically do it, and he's never done that. So, ever, Um, but what we do is we do ask everyone to write down what their clinical philosophy is so that the hygienist and the dentist can be on the same page. And that's different. That's different than most DSOs out there. They don't. This is actually this is a secret that I don't want a lot of people to know <laughs> i shouldn't be saying it here uh, but it is the difference it is the secret sauce that says can you really how do i know and how does any dentist know whether or not now they're creating the clinical philosophy and actually performing well that's where we use data and we are data driven where we can show them well here's your belief and here's what you're actually doing so it takes away the 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 conversation where well you need to produce more and we need to make more money Well, we don't have to talk about that. Now, everybody wants to make more money. Everybody wants to do well. Nobody wants to work for a company that's not going to make it. So I'm there. I want to work for a company that's going to thrive and be successful. And so every practice wants to be that way. But it's not about the money. That's the outcome of doing the right things. And that's about what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? Do I do it? And how do I know I do it? Because I give you data then we can look at the costs and we can say, okay, here's where the money comes out at the end. But the cost typically isn't the issue for a practice. It's being able to get a patient to arrive at a decision that's in their best interest. And that's where the doctor hygiene partnership is so important. If there are hygienists listening to this, this is really about having the right kind of partnership with a doctor where you're a professional and the doctor is a professional working as professionals for the best care for the patient. And that's how we're so different and that our, we don't, we aren't, I mean, we're hands off from a clinical perspective because only the doctors can make those decisions, but we're there to support them to the, if they have tr- trouble with that, we can help them get there. And we have some of the best dentists in the world um, affiliated with us that can help any doctor. I, I saw one of our threads today where, a doctor said, I'm having trouble with this particular lab. And there were seven doctors at her rescue giving her helpful advice, not telling her what to do, helpful advice, helpful advice that that she, that she just replies going, I just love this group. You guys help me so much. And she's been with us for a year, maybe a year and a half, and just loves the fact that she can be asked a question, be vulnerable and get positive reinforcement not you dumb idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. This is a very positive um, process. And so that that's probably the, the one of the biggest difference. And then, you know, our success breeds success. And so all of our doctors want you to be successful. And if you invest in Heartland, you're investing in Heartland, not just your practice, where there's a lot of DSOs out there that have a practice model where the value isn't there. You get to share in profit, but honestly we already have a profit sharing model from a compensation perspective. The real difference is you own the same stock that I own, that Dr. Workman owns, that KKR owns, our private equity firm, current private equity firm. You own the same stock, have the same value, have the same really voting rights because nobody we don't really have it doesn't really work that way but you have the same stock and no and they can't do better before you do better so it's really an aligned methodology and so that's probably the other another thing we are aligned <laughs> and so our compensation system is aligned um our stock is aligned uh, everything i don't win unless my customer wins so every time one of our doctors leaves unhappy a hygienist leaves unhappy it's a story that I can't explain, and so I, don't, I can't defend myself. So it never benefits me, and I'm not going to – I talked to a, um, uh, a lady the other night, and she was in a, in a, talking about another DSO, and they were going to bring in somebody who was less expensive and get rid of her. Well, our compensation model, everybody's paid the same way, so I don't win by bringing in an inexperienced person because they're not going to do as well, and I'm going to pay them the same relative amount based on how they perform and so it's, doesn't, it doesn't—it doesn't save me anything to 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 do that. So that's another another big um, probably difference in our in our. Uh, most people don't have the same compensation system for everybody, and we are just consistent with it. And uh, you know we're we're debating. There's a there's a big hygiene thing going on with a lot of people poaching it. There's a big need. There's a shor- there's a shortage and. Money should never step in our way for somebody who's trained. I think we have higher expectations of hygienists. I think we have high expectations, but we also train with higher expectations. We, we do it. We do we, basically we, we do what they learn in school. <laughs> so we're not <laughs> we're just doing what they learn in school. What happens is after school, they go to a practice and go, oh, they don't really do that. Well, we do what they teach in school. And so um, I, have a, I have a niece who's a hygienist dentist in uh, Minnesota, and uh, she's now teaching at the school. I said, well, Keely, we just do what you teach. So, uh, you know, but she worked in a practice. I can tell you they didn't do what we taught them. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's going to be the difference. We, we, we do uh, want you to do what, what, you, what you learn, what you learn. So that's probably not me. And last and not least, we are the best training company in dental in the world. And so we we actually have world class education and training processes to help dentists and hygienists be uh, the best that they can be. And, and and it's not just our dentists. It's the best teachers in the world help us, not just our dentists, but we get the best people to teach. And then you get the best people to mentor. We have an amazing mentor process with both doctors and hygienists, probably the best again, big separation I'm bragging, but <laughs> it is the best in the world. Um, that people wonder, how do you spend that much money on training? And I'll use the line that I tell most people: I, I, I would, it would be, it would be more expensive to have them train and leave, or ha- it'd be less expensive to have them train and leave than have them stay and not train them, because that's the alternative. Not train them and have them stay. Well, that's even more expensive, and so. But most DSOs cannot figure out how I actually spend the money on training and education because it's very expensive, but it it works. So the proof is in the play. Thank you for that. Just shifting gears
0: slightly. So Pat, one of the biggest topics right now is COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. hands down. Hands down. How do you make sure doctors? and their teams feel safe and supported in a time where, honestly, a lot of people are just unsure about the future?
3: Well, that's it. We kind of started the whole process that we knew that a lot of dentists just want the answers, Um, but we also know is uh, dentists and hygienists, for that matter, have professional judgment. And so, again, going back to our mission, which is to support dentists and their teams, while well, they produce the highest quality dental care and experiences in, in the communities they serve. Well, so what I want to do is give them the guidance. Here's what I know. We've done the research, we have super smart people like you guys that are just unbelievable. And they they are are watching what is what's the rule. And we had to decide early on from the ADA guidance to the CDC and you know, scouring everything. We had to say, okay, here's the guidance we're going to use, but we had to set up a platform so that everybody knew because every state had different guidelines. And so from Wisconsin and Illinois, as an example, never asked the dental board what they should do. They only talked to the public health people. Well, the public health people don't understand dentistry. And so they made rules that didn't make any sense. So we had to then parse through those rules and allow dentists to say, here's our guidance, but you still have to use professional judgment. If you don't feel safe, don't go in. That's the first rule. And so we would then go through that process. So I had two 70 year old dentists from Miami who are the, just the nicest guys in the world, and they were scared. And we knew what the science was, but they both have comorbidity issues. They both, you know, in their 70s, and they had team members that had comorbidity issues, and they said, We're just afraid. And what happens if we get sick? And then if I, but if I don't work, then I don't make money. I said, don't, if, don't worry about money. First of all, your most important is that you're safe because you're not. Okay, I'm old enough to remember when, when we put in um, PPE. We didn't even call it PPE. So it was sterilization techniques, and we put in. We Dr. Workman spent the first five years of his, of his practice life, not wearing gloves. Think about how gross that is, and so, but it's true. And so they literally, um, we didn't even wear gloves. So we had to put in during the AIDS epidemic and what happened with what happened there. I mean, we had, the, there was literally a woman who got AIDS from a dentist on purpose was the, was the, um, allegation. And so we had to put videos in our offices. Here's the sterilization techniques that we're following, gloves, masks. How do you clean the instruments? So we had to put all of that in then. And then it was hepatitis. So I literally remember we had hygienists who talked me and they would say, I'm not going to be a hygienist anymore. I'm done. I didn't join this to have this kind of scare because we had to say, look, you have to treat everyone as if they may have AIDS because one, they might not tell you the truth and they, they might not even know. So you have to treat everyone just like today. You have to treat everyone as they might have COVID because it's the asymptomatic people that you have to worry about the most. It's not the symptomatic people. It's pretty obvious. You look sick, <laughs> and so, but if you don't, that's where it's scary. And so what we had to give them is, here's our guidance. Now you have to make, make judgment. It's okay, whatever you decide. And so even during the beginning when we had emergency care, I'll bet you there were days half of our offices weren't open. And, but the ones that were, were only seeing emergency kit because you know if you're pregnant, you were scared. I had a guy who had diabetes, um, I shouldn't say his name, but he's a great guy and he's wonderful. And he said, Pat, I got diabetes. I'm, I'm like the worst person that could possibly be because I have diabetes. And I said, well, then go in, come in when you feel comfortable. Do not come in if you're uncomfortable. We'll figure it out because it really is about making sure safety first. And we realized in the end, the biggest change was obviously hygienists not using um, aerosol producing um, hand pieces or what was, what is that one thing called? You know what I mean? Um, And uh, they all know. And uh, the uh, then masks and and uh, and a uh, shield, the mask and the shield is the biggest change. And then how you check people in, which is, you know, is a massive process to go through. How do you do it? There was a lot of things that people say, well, I want to put plexiglass up. I want to have an air exchanger. I want to have a. there was no science around any of those things. And what we tried to do from the very beginning is we're going to follow the science and the science changed there's no question because there was a time that people thought it was more even the cdc within the last couple of weeks put out something and then took it right off because they put in a draft of something they were thinking about but there's no science behind it enough not strong enough and so this whole i mean this has been a very stressful time for all the doctors and hygienists I mean, I I can think about how stressful their lives were because they're afraid their families are going to get it. What happens if I bring it home? I have my parents. Do I go visit them? I can't visit them. I mean, there was just so much stress and anguish for people that we just had to make sure and throughout this whole thing is let's live our values and our values are they have to be balanced life and they have to know that we're going to be there to take care of them and support them under difficult, under difficult situations. And that's what, 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 I said to those doctors is that just no, we'll be fine. We'll take care of you, but, but take care of yourself first. Cause if you, if you get sick, you're no good to me, you won't be good to me anymore. So I don't need you to die. It's not worth it is there's nothing worth it. So just take care of yourself first and we'll figure it out. And, uh, I think that's, I mean, even when we had to go through the whole process of When we were shut down, heck, we had 6.5% of our normal revenue in April. Well, how do you pay people? So we had to to wait for the government to come out and make sure that they knew that the team members were going to be taken care of. And thankfully, I think 80-plus percent of our team members that ended up being furloughed were paid more while they were furloughed than before, which was, knock on wood, the government – I don't praise the government very often, but they did the right thing by – by at least helping people make sure they weren't going to be in trouble, and then and then basically say, okay, now we know. But we paid for their benefits while they were gone. They didn't lose anything while they were gone. They they were still our team members, and uh, now we're back and full force, and everybody's working super hard. And patients are coming back left and right. <laughs> it's busy, so it's good. It's been a good thing.
1: I'm going to also, um, jump off the fact that you just talked about some of our values and I'm just going to switch to celebrating and say kudos to you for adding a new office in another state. We're really excited that Heartland Dental is now in 38 states. To what do you credit? I know, I I know 38 states. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, to what do you credit that success, uh, which is a sizable thing to accomplish, especially during a pandemic?
3: Um, you know what uh, living our core values it's a kind of a trite thing to say but honestly the whole the whole thing that we do is if we can do the right thing for the right reason treat people right you know we have that saying if you're not nice you can't work here we can work through just about anything if we're nice to each other and and it's a it's a hard enough business you get cranky patients sometimes and so it's it's just important that we are nice to each other and our values are uh, are the six core competencies in achiever achiever organization achiever human being but that's what our values are based on and so our success is based upon okay we're very clear as to what we're trying to accomplish our mission is very clear we don't go off that mission we don't we don't own a dental lab you know why we don't own a dental lab because it would change the relationship with our customer the doctor and so i don't want anything to get in the way of our doctor we don't centralize billing uh, we don't centralize collect, you know, our making getting payments in. We don't centralize. We don't want to answer the phone. We do if the if the office doesn't, only to support them. We don't want to be the first people to answer the phone, and that's there. That's a purposeful decision because our customer, the doctor, has a relationship with their customer, the patient, and I don't want to get in between that. That's their relationship, and so our 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 success is based upon. I can do the kind of dentistry as a dentist that I want to do, and Heartland's going to support me in whatever that is. And that, if you can replicate that, our success, and I remember Dr. Workman saying it, gosh, way back in 1997, if we, why can't we just replicate it? He did a, uh, wrote it on a, uh, him and Dr. Blank talked about this on a napkin before I joined that I'm going to have, we're going to have this many practices because we can replicate the success of supporting doctors in the right way. And if we can do that, well, then we can grow. And that's how our successful, you know, people go, did you ever imagine all we knew is we were replicating what we were doing? Now, there was more challenge. It becomes more complicated when you get bigger. And, you know, there becomes sometimes bureaucracy and sometimes you have these things, but it's really about in the end, are we supporting the doctors the way we should be supporting them, which includes the hygienist, because that's so important to the doctor. And so if we're doing that, then we can replicate it over and over throughout the nation. And what happens, actually, it helps us recruit if we're in 38 States rather than concentrated because now I have people that might be in the West coast that say, I don't want to be in the West coast. I joined, I I just wanted to be a dentist. I want to go over here. So it allows us in this day and age, to have people be able to travel around the around the nation and and go where they want to go to practice and still be with Harley, which is a beautiful thing for us. It's a beautiful thing.
2: It's absolutely a beautiful thing, especially me in the West Coast
3: and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like to grow out there. It is
2: yes, lots of growth opportunities. But I'm so excited about the 38th state. Um, and so Pat, for those listening who don't work at Heartland Dental, you touched upon this a lot, which I'm, I'm grateful for, but if you would, um, would you share what our core values are? Because it is our driving force behind everything that we do.
3: Sure. Um, you know, it's, first of all, it's, it's the six core competencies. So I'm going to, um, Make sure I just start with one, which is achievement. So when you think about achievement, um, it's it's really important to understand. I want to read the words because I don't know them all by the top of my head. So I've just got to find it here. It'll just take me a second. So hold on one second because I'll grab them. Okay. Um, it's... Hold on. i got a whole thing. It's... The first one is achievement. And achievement really means striving for mastery through constant never ending improvement, focusing on results and putting the success of our supported office first. So when I say the success of our supported offices first, we want to constantly and never ending get better. We talked about it today when we open up a new practice de novo, we call them a de novo. You know, how do you make that process better? Well, achievement says you're gonna constantly look at how to get better from a complaint from an office from hiring, how do we get better at hiring a hygienist? How do we get better at talk, hiring a doctor? Because our practices need to hire hygienists. Well, what's that process? And how do we get better at that over and over? And that value means that we're constantly gonna get better. We're constantly gonna get improve our results because it's about results. And it's about our success of our supported offices first. I, I We had a management meeting the other day and I said, look, here are two complaints I got from doctors that if you look at the complaint, it's because we didn't have our supported doctor's office um, success. First, we were more concerned about us. Now, they didn't mean to, and they had the best of intentions, but but the, the, that value says I'm going to get better. The second one is to honor, acting with honesty, integrity, and transparency, maintaining a healthy work environment, and doing the right things for the right reasons. So we talk about as an example, recently, the the racial issues that are going on. um, We stand with the black community. We stand. If you look at this value, it's we're going to maintain a healthy work environment. That means that we're not going to be racist. We're not going to have. And, you know, I get some doctors who don't necessarily agree with us. And I say, look, we're going to live this value where we're going to have a healthy work environment and we're going to do the right thing for the right reason. Now we get to balance and that'll that'll give more to that idea. But we're gonna create a place where people can feel safe. We're gonna work with honesty, integrity, and transparency. And then the third one is to execute. Staying open, positive, and mentally flexible. You'll hear that a lot from us. Uh, Delivering world-class processes and systems efficiently and managing change. We have a lot of things, we we say we have a lot of gold bars uh, lying around with all kinds of opportunities. And, but those gold, gold bars require change and nobody likes change. And so we're going to be managed change. Well, and in any dental office, if, if you've ever worked in a dental office, you have to be open, positive, mental, flexible, because your schedule never ends up the same way it started. And so if the dentist, I remember working early on in my career, gosh, this is 30 years ago, probably. And we switched from a paper system to a computer. And I had to print out the computer so that it looked like paper, like our paper paper schedule from one of the older dentists, because he just couldn't work it. So I had to be flexible and say, okay, he needs to go through this change process. But eventually he goes, oh, so that's what it looks like if it was in my hand. So I just need to keep on thinking. And eventually he got there. But he had to stay open, positively, mentally flexible. Your schedule is going to change. And so we just make sure that we understand that that when you're hiring people, when you're looking for people, that's a big deal for us. Because if you say, no, I'm rigid, I won't do anything different than this. You're probably not a match for us because we need to make sure, you know, hey, man, (laughs) things change. And not that everything is willy nilly. It's not chaos. It's your schedule is going to be different. And so we've got to be open, positive, and mentally flexible, or it's not going to work. Fourth one is to balance. This is really promoting work life balance, creating safe and supportive environments, giving back to the communities we serve. So we do a free dental day in as many um, communities as we can. One day a year, we're giving back to the communities for every practice. That's what we want to do. Of course, we have our own foundation to give back not only to the communities, but our own team members who are damaged by hurricanes and things they can't control. um, And also making sure that we give back on uh, mission trips. And so we're working through that, that process, but again, creating a safe and supportive environment. And if you're a racist, if you harass people, you're not creating that environment. And so that's something that I just keep on going back to our values. The next one is to collaborate, working hard, smart, and together and promoting inclusion and diversity. Again, I'm not saying we're perfect and we probably have people in our company that don't do what I want them to do. Uh, but We're gonna make sure that living this value makes a difference. And working hard, smart, and together, you hear know, that a lot, is we we everybody's gonna work hard. You know, there's that saying, uh, work uh, smarter, not harder. Well, you're still gonna work hard because we also want you to work smart. <laughs> And we want you to work together because this is a tough business. If you don't work together, it's a lonely business. If you don't work together, and so it's really important for us. And the last one is staying grateful, having fun, celebrating each other's success and growth. And that is probably what is kind of weird about a lot of places in that they 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 if we're successful they kind of complain that oh Heartland just this and that because they're they're bigger and really. I want everybody to be successful. I want every DSO to be successful. I don't want anyone to fail. That's why we're open book. I'd be happy to explain what we do. Um, most people can't um, copy it anyway. So, <laughs> they, they, But I'm happy to share what we do because, again, if they're successful, if there's a book written by uh, um, W. Edwards Deming. But he's the one that, quote, he, he, he kind of went to Japan after World War II and really transformed Japan and uh on really technology but also on just manufacturing and how they did it and uh he he says if you can't manage it if you don't measure it you can't manage it um but he also basically said the more you can make your competition better the better you'll be Um, because we can never we're 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 really good but we can't keep not getting better we got to get better and it's a world-class comparison not a relative comparison um, we're going to be world class at what we do. That means it's a high standard, and, and you might not know because it's a journey. But we're going to constantly try to be world class at everything we do. So that was a lot. Sorry. I-
0: <laughs> oh, Pat. No, it really it really is good because you speak to the values, and that one of the things that happened this summer is actually telling in terms of how you support and what the values mean to us. You said in an email that was sent this summer, and I'm going to read it out, spurred by the tragic deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless other lives, many protests have triggered a powerful movement to stand with the Black community, calling for an end to racism and injustice. These protests give a voice to deep-rooted frustration, hurt, and need for systemic change. At Harlan Dental, we stand by those who are part of the Black community as well as other marginalized communities. To me, this moment isn't about a moment, a movement. It must be and will be a way of life, living our core values. So Pat, getting back to what you were talking about, how will you lead Harlan Dental to implement the changes and live out the, those core values?
3: Well, this, the proof is going to be in the pudding. So, you know, what I, I can't, I can say all kinds of things <laughs> about what it is. Somebody said to me, Pat, you don't have really, you don't have a lot of black rip into rep- representation in your RMOs and your RDOs in the East Coast. And I said, well, the numbers are there. So I can't, if I sat here and just defended it, it wouldn't work because it's pretty obvious we're not there yet. And so all I can say is we're gonna fight to make sure that that's not the biases that we have. And we're gonna start, we've started already a committee to say, okay, I'm gonna pledge a million dollars towards any activities that they wanna do to make sure that we have the right processes in place, to make sure that they have the the funding to do what that committee says we have to do to stop that systemic racism, because we don't even realize it's there and it's there. We don't mean to. I mean, I don't mean to. I have plenty of biases in my life myself that I don't even recognize that people can point out. And I don't mean to. So help me. Help me educate myself. What are we doing that's not working? And this is Michael Badger, who's the one that had the the, really the, the, the gumption to say, Pat, can I just tell you what I see? This is just what I see. And it's a very fair Argument. I mean, I how can I argue with the facts? The facts are we don't have any. (laughs) So so we have to be better at it. And and the talent is there. uh, there's no question. So we just have to be open and positive and mentally flexible to understand that if we have a mirror looking at us, hey, this is just the truth. And so, well, I don't want that. So how do we fix it? And I don't have all the answers, or if I had all the answers, hell. We wouldn't have any more, uh, <laughs> any more rights or whatever. I want it to end because there's nothing worse. The pain that people go through when something like that happens. I mean, I can't even imagine. And I, and I, I, I read a book, um, called the person I, I, I want to be or the person I, I'll have to look it up. Cause it's a, it's worth it. You can, it's, it's, it's an, just an unbelievable book. Hold on. It's called The Person You Mean to Be, and it's written by Dolly Chubb, and, and she talks about what is those biases that you don't even realize you have, that you say and you are, are, are adding to the systemic racism that you don't even realize you're doing. And that's where we all can make a difference. We can all learn about our own biases, how we were raised, how we how that might express different thought processes than if I just look at it in a different way. And so we have to educate people and there's, and hey, we've got 12,000 people. And when you have 12,000 people, you have different thoughts, beliefs. You know, we're, we're trying to do a mission trip and where I think dentists, every dentist should go on a mission trip um, because they, they learn how to do extractions. And so we're setting up a process of doing it. You know how hard it is to find a non-religious based mission? It's extremely hard. And so we have to, I have every kind of religion under the sun that, that work with us. And so I can't pick a religion and say, that's the one we're going with. I got to go with a non-religious one to say, we're just want to help people. And we think there's a benefit for everybody. So, you know, whatever you believe, I, I, I'm good with it. I love what you believe. I, I'm, I don't judge people for what they believe. Um, but I have to also be respectful for people's beliefs when we're going to have a mission trip. <laughs> it can't be based upon one person. And I and I have some lovely people say, but I want to do it this way. And I said, I know, I, and I love, I have no issues with what you're doing. I just can't do it because I have a whole group of people here who don't agree with you. And I don't want them to not have to want to go. And so we're, we're working on it, but we basically come to the conclusion, we're just going to have to do it ourselves. <laughs> and it's it's gonna be on our own, and we're gonna do it, and we're gonna win, and the people that we help are gonna win, and uh, and but we're not gonna have it. Uh, you know, today is Yom Kippur, so it's uh you know it, it's a very important day for many Jewish people in our communities, and uh, it's super important that we respect them and everybody else. In fact, I said, Mark, you're not working today. I take it. He said, "Well, it's been a weird COVID event, so he's he's doing what he has to do, and he's he's doing his fasting and and uh, but you know we have Ramadan, we have Easter, we have everything you can imagine, and so we've got to respect all of them." So.
1: Wow, that was a really great conversation with Pat. I'm so glad he joined us. What were
2: some of your takeaways, Kathy? I didn't realize the the amount of struggle that him and Dr. Workman faced in the early years uh, of Heartland Dental. That was pretty powerful to hear it from his standpoint, and for him to be with uh, with Dr. Workman this many years. I love the trust that they've built together, and and I really think that that's the reason why our company is so strong. And um, I really believe that's why our values are. Uh, Are lived on a daily basis, which is, you know, which is awesome. What about you, Vincent?
0: I want to find out about that book he talked about The Person You Mean to Be How Good People Fight Bias by Dolly Chu. That should be interesting. That's what I took away.
1: Yeah, I really also enjoyed him talking about that book. I think I really want to go check that out myself. I think we can all always improve. um, And that's one of the areas I would like to personally improve in um, always. Um, In addition to that, I also thought it was really um, funny when I asked my question about how he met Dr. Workman and how um, they actually did meet and how he really thought nothing of it at the time. (laughs) Um, And look where we are today. So um, you never know what could happen when you meet someone, right? So I think that's, you know, also kind of powerful in its own way.
0: I was going to say that. See there, you took my word, networking.
1: Yeah, so networking really does pay off, guys. So good tips in there. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Impactful Wisdom Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time when we talk to Dr. Berger about continuing education and the power of networking. We'll see you next time.
0: You can listen to new episodes of the Impactful Wisdom Podcast every other week when you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Dental students, get your free guide, 10 Steps to a Successful Dental Career at impactfulwisdompodcast.com. There, you'll also be able to connect in every way with your favorite dental podcast hosts, the Heartland Dental Campus Team.